0: Amen. It's so good to be with you this morning. What an honor it is to be with you on this first Sunday of 2021. I don't know if you're like me, but here in the last three days, you know, it's customary for us to say happy new year to one another, but I've been a little hesitant. I mean, I just experienced 2020. And so you're like, I, happy new year, I think um, on that. You know, the truth is that um, man, we don't know what this new year is going to bring. We, we used to think that we kind of knew. We hoped, I hope some things happen in 2021, but I'm not really sure. But um, it was a year that was a little challenging. I've really had some time over the last couple of weeks to uh, talk to others, get their thoughts on 2020 for them, the highs and the lows, as well as read some stuff. And of course, um, there is the hundreds of thousands of memes that have gone out the last three days that I try to totally avoid. I really do, Canaan, I try to avoid them. But um, this one was kind of funny. And so I'm going to share it with you. It said this, Torn and I thought it was fine. If you prayed on last New Year's Eve, we're going to need you to sit this one out. I thought that was kind of funny on that, on that one. But the truth is this, it, you know, if I reflect on my own, my own experiences of 2020, and as I sat and just thought of the highs and the lows of it there as well, um, one truth kept coming, one certain truth kept coming right back to my mind. God is still on the throne. He's still faithful to us. He's still trustworthy. He still wants to be Lord of our lives. And he's got a plan for us in 2021. And so as I prayed for our time here today, I said, okay, Lord will encourage us this time. And so I believe as I prayed for you, as I prayed for me, God is gonna show us some truths that as we approach this this new season, this new year for each of us, that he will provide for us as we walk through victoriously with him. So I'm gonna pray real quick and then we'll get into the lesson. And so God, um, this is your time there's nothing about this that I would ever want to be me. I want it to only be of you and the truth that you have of who you are. So I would ask that you would do something in us right now that you would that you'd show yourself to us that we could experience you right now, Father, that you, would, that you would encourage our hearts, that you would take us where we're at and move us right next to you, Lord. And so may you receive the glory. And so come, come, Holy Spirit. It's in your son's name I pray, amen. Well, I want you to know a little bit of something about me is that I am the youngest of two children. And so um, I have a brother. He's two and a half years older. Um, And so if I described him to you, it would take a while. So I'm just going to tell you one word. You'll probably get where I'm tracking with this. My brother is a character. He was when we were children growing up and he still is to this day. And I say that with all the love in my heart for him. He's actually one of my favorite people on this earth. And if he, uh, when he finds out that I described him in this way to you, he will get a big smile on his face and he will think it is awesome. And so, um, but growing up with him, he really made it easy for me in one regard. And I don't know if this is like this for all of you who are the younger siblings, but I could look at his life and I could see, that is a good idea. That is not a good idea. And so he was really good. He, he did not know it, um, but you know, as he's experiencing all the first when you're the first child, so he gets to junior high, the first to go there and then gets to high school. And then he gets his curfew, the first to have a curfew and the first to date and the first to drive and everything that comes with that. He is basically making me this, this roadmap of how to live successful in my parents' home uh, and what to do and what not to do. And even to this day, we'll sit and talk sometimes about the the antics of growing up and the crazy stuff that we did. And my parents will look and they'll say, "Um, you know, you were kind of easy to raise. And I just laugh. I'm like, it's because I had a good teacher. Because had I not had him and had been such a good student, y'all would have just been around too with me. But um, I tell you this because today we're going to be in the Old Testament. And I love to study of the Old Testament. It is where God just kind of opens up and he, he says in this beautiful redemptive story in all the Bible, but he just kind of opens himself up and he says, this is who I am. This is my character. This is how I'm gonna reveal myself to you. And so he tells us who he is, but he also tells us who we are. And he tells us who we are through the story of his children, the Israelites. And he'll tell us things in the Old Testament about what brings his heart joy, And he'll tell us what brings his heart sorrow. And just like my brother leaving me that map on how to live victoriously with my earthly parents, God's leaving us this story in the Old Testament of how to live victoriously with him, our heavenly parent. And so today we're going to be in the book of Judges. Not one I would have thought that we would have kicked off the new year with. Um, Judges is... um, a book about the Israelites. And before we get into the story, let me catch you up really quick where they are because we're going right into chapter one. So this is what has just happened. The Israelites leader, Joshua, has just died. He's 110 years old when he dies. Um, And so you might remember Joshua from the past. Remember when Moses called out 12 men, right when they got to the land that was promised to them, they got to Canaan the promised land. And they got at that point, Moses says, "Um, you guys go check this out, see what's there. So 12 of these guys go into the promised land and they get there and they see in fact that it is filled, like it was promised, with a land flowing with milk and honey. But they also see there's some other stuff going on there. They've got really big, powerful cities. And in those cities are some really large people. And so this really adds fear, and it frightens 10 of the 12. And so they head back to Moses, and they say, Moses, this is a no-go for us. It's too hard. We can't make it in. We can't go the way through. We need to retreat. We need to not do this. But there are two men that hold the course, that hold on to the promise, what God gives them, and that's Caleb, and that's Joshua. And Joshua, then years later, he's actually the one that's going to lead these people into the promised land where they're at right now in Canaan. And while they live in the promised land, they haven't fully occupied it Yet, And so that's the point we're at when I read to you. They are Moses, I'm sorry, Joshua has gone and they are without a leader and they need to know what's next. So here we are, Judges chapter one. After the death of Joshua, the Israelites inquired of the Lord, who will be the first to fight for us against Canaan? So see, here's a new season of life. The old guard has just gone uh, to, meet, to meet the Lord. And they are on their own and they know something that they're not the only ones that know that they're on their own. They know that their enemies know that they're on their own too, because see, like I told you, they're living in the land, but they don't possess the entire land. And there's other people living in the land they want that land too. And so they start to form up. They think, man, that valiant warrior leader in Joshua, he's gone. This is the time for us to gather up and attack and to go. And so the Israelites know that this is coming down the pike and they're coming after them as well. See, they've got a choice they can make right here, right now in this very first verse. And they listen to what they make. They can do this in their battle that's impending on them. They can either um, go to God directly right off the bat or they can go to anything else. They can go to themselves and they can figure out what they're gonna do here. Um, but that's not what we see at this point in the book. You know, what's interesting about Judges is this is a pretty good moment for the Israelites, because judges isn't a really, this is not your um, this is not your highlight reel book that you want to get up to make the team. You're not sending this to the recruiters of what they did. They were pretty um, they're pretty faithless and disobedient. It's full of hugely full of God's grace and his mercy, but it's really full of some hard times for them. But at this moment, when they when they are starting off and they have lost their leader, they do the exact right thing when they know that the enemy is forming and the battle is on the horizon, they turn to God. They make him their first look for provision and for direction. And I wish, when I read that, I wish, when I think that through, I wish that that I could say that for myself, that when hard times come, when crisis come, when trials come, that the first place I turn to is God Himself, but that just wouldn't be the truth. It is for a lot of the time for me, I've grown in my relationship over the years with him, but I still struggle with taking matters into my own hands, with doing things on my own. And I, I don't know why I do that. I have a feeling you're right there with me and you understand where I'm coming from. I think maybe when I would take things on my own, it's because maybe I have still need the control. I can't just surrender and let God have it. Maybe sometimes, maybe you're like this, maybe we don't like the answer God would give us. I have a feeling I know how he's gonna handle this and actually, I don't want that answer. So if I don't go to him, then I don't have to say I ever knew that answer in the first place. Maybe maybe you don't like the wait. Does anyone like waiting? Does anyone like waiting for something that they need and need right now? And so we don't like the weight. And so we step in. There's so many reasons why we don't turn to God first. And you know what I find, which is kind of interesting sometimes? We don't turn to God first because we think that what we've got uh, encroaching upon us, what we have coming at us, that we think it's not as important as the next person to us. See, they've got the big stuff. They've got the stuff God really wants to pay attention to. Mine's just too small. Mine's irrelevant. Mine's not important enough for God. I don't need to bother him with my stuff. So I keep it to myself and I'll handle this. I'll take this on. But here's the truth. First Peter 5, 7 says this. says, cast your burdens upon him because he cares for you. He wants every ounce of them, big and small, all of them. And so when the battle comes, if we call our trials, sufferings, crises, all the things that we might experience that we will experience in 2021, this is the first truth that I think we need to remember when they come is that we need to turn first to God. We need to look to him first for his provision and for his direction. Go to him first. You see, that's what the Israelites are doing right now. They're showing us, here we go, here's our map, here's our spiritual roadmap when it comes our way. Just like my brother did for me. This is our roadmap of what to do. That they had been promised, that this land was theirs. They looked back on their history with God. They looked back all the way to Abraham, their first founding father, and they saw that God made him that promise and they could trace the hand of God all the way up till this point that he delivered to them exactly what he said he was gonna do. This land will be yours and lo and behold, they're sitting right in it. And so as they sit, in this land that God promised them, they turned to him first and said, you've got us this far, take us further. And they start on the right foot. So you want to start off on the right foot in your battles. You turn to him first, turn to him first. Be very wary of turning to yourself. You know, they go to him first, even in the midst, even in the midst of the army and the the, the actual enemy forming right beyond the horizon for them. We can't miss this. We don't have an army or a physical battle forming right outside. Well, at least I don't think we do, right outside the, the doors. Um, but you know what? We have battles that come up against us every single day, just about. At least that, that's what it looks like in my life. There are battles always forming and, and coming after me. It might be spiritual battles. It might be emotional battles or mental battles and definitely physical battles that come in the form of, of health or in finances or, or things that are seen and, and touched uh, because this life, it is not easy. Does anyone think it's easy? And if so, could we talk after this? Help me. This is not an easy life. And even we know this, that we've got this enemy that is coming after us, right? In the form of Satan. The Bible says that he prowls around like a hungry lion looking to devour. That is, that's, that's harsh. He's hungry and he wants to be fed. He's looking to be fed. So, what does he do? He comes to us. Those of us who have turned to God, who claim him as our father, that are followers of Jesus Christ, he comes to us. And you know how we feed him? That when hard times come, we turn away from God. We take control of things ourselves, we forget who it is we serve. We get so afraid of the circumstances that we, that we tend to want to bail and we feed this lion and he loves that we are distracted by everything else and we don't put our view on God that we're putting in on our circumstances or anywhere else but God. Listen, it makes Satan so happy if you and I will forget that we serve this big, amazing, sovereign, sufficient, supreme God that nothing is impossible for him. If we forget that, then we lose all of our power as followers of Jesus on this earth because we're plugging into ourselves versus plugging into him. The first part of that verse where it says he prowls around looking for someone to devour, it says to us to be sober-minded, be alert. That's like, like, know what's going on in your life. Take an inventory, look inside yourself. What are those battles that are raging in yourself? Look outside yourself, what's coming at you? What are those external forces that really come at you that make you wanna turn and run, that make you wanna give up, that make you wanna take control, that make you wanna question God, that make you wanna um, wonder, is this really true and have the doubt? What are some of those battles in your, in your life? Is it maybe a re- relationship? Maybe it's a marriage there's a battle. It's one after a next. It's like every time we look at each other, we're going into a battle. Is it maybe potentially a job or a finance situation? Maybe it's more of the mind. Maybe you have fear and anxiety. Maybe, maybe loneliness or a feeling of purposelessness. I don't know what your, your battle is. It's big. It's small. Sometimes it's really big. Sometimes it's smaller. But we all have them at some level. And if we don't, we will. They'll come after us on those. The Apostle Paul, um, a writer of the New Testament, of many of the books in the New Testament, was always very open um, with his life and that his battles. He was no—he wasn't new to the idea of battles and struggles in his life, and he writes about them a, a lot. He tells us a lot of the things that happened to him; they're really unbelievable, and all the, the hard times that he went through. And and after he says that in 2 Corinthians twelve ten, he says this: "I've always been encouraged by this verse. He says that is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults." in hardships, in difficulties, in persecutions. He says he delights in all of those things, all of those things that can come at you. You know why? He says, because for when I am weak, then I am strong. He recognizes that when those hard times come to him and he recognizes that he is weak, he experiences the power of God that comes in and through him. So here's the truth for you, that when we recognize that we are weak, we acknowledge our desperate need For God. When you and I recognize that we are weak, we cannot do this. We then acknowledge our desperate need of God. So this is basically saying this, it is okay to be weak. We don't get that very often, right? We got to be strong. We gotta handle this. We gotta take care of this. I can do this on my own. I don't need anybody's help. I got this, all those little sayings that we say, but you know what? There's strength found in our weakness. There's strength found in our weakness. And so the Israelites understand we are weak. We are weak and we are not strong for the enemies that are for us. And so they turn to God. And so you and I have that same power available to us of turning to God in our own battles. So what battle are you in right now? What is going on in your life? What is that thing that just keeps coming at you and keeps coming at you? Have you set your hope on the Lord for provision and direction? Or have you put it somewhere else? So I'm gonna speak to those of you that are in battles right now and you're listening to what I'm saying and you're saying, you know what? Um, I'm in a battle right now and I haven't actually started off that way. I've just kind of taken it on my own and so maybe it's just too late. And so this is what I would say to you that it isn't too late. Stop, stop where you're at right now. And turn to God now. And you know what's interesting? He might use some of those things you've already put into place in your own plan. He uses our resources. He uses the people in our lives. He uses the things that we can do. But now it goes according to his time and his plan in his way, in his provision versus your own. And not only that, you are assured uh, of his plan going forward because he knows, because you've let him know this. Now you get the peace that goes with it. God knows what I'm going through here. And so you get to experience not only his strength, but you get his peace too. Trust God. Turn to him first. Let's move on. Verse two, here we go. So they asked God who's going to take over. And this is what God says to him. Verse 2. The Lord answered, Judah is to go. I have handed the land over to him. Judah said to his brother Simeon, come with me to my allotted territory and let us fight against the Canaanites. I will also go with you to your allotted territory. So Simeon went with him. When Judah attacked, the Lord handed the Canaanites and Perizzites over to them. They struck down 10,000 men in Bezek. Verse eight, the men of Judah fought against Jerusalem, captured it, put it to the sword and set the city on fire. Afterward, the men of Judah marched down to fight against the Canaanites who were living in the hill country, the Negev and the Judean foothills. Judah also marched against the Canaanites who were living in Hebron. They struck down the Seshai, Ahimon and Talmai. Verse 17, Judah went with his brother Simeon, struck the Canaanites who were living in Zepheth and completely destroyed the town. So they named the town Hormah. Judah captured Gaza and its territory, Ashkelon and its territory, Ekron and its territory. The Lord was with Judah and enabled them to take possession of the hill country. The Israelites take God at his word, they take his provision, and we see a march confidently forward and they go into battle after battle after battle. And what do they experience? Victory after victory after victory. Because he has called them, he has done his part in keeping his promises of leading them as they acquire all of the promised land and they trust him in that. So this is our second truth. Choose to trust God and his promises and go boldly forward in his provision. Choose to trust God and his promises. I think trusting God, I don't know about you, but it's one of the hardest things for me to do. Because it requires us to completely surrender, completely to take what we do this and we open it up like this. And we take God's plan and we don't do our own. And so this requires us, we have to choose trust. you hear that? It's a choice that we have to make when you don't see it, when you can't see the outcome and when you can't feel it. And you're thinking, there's no way out of this, you got to choose it anyway. You gotta to cling to the promises that he's given you anyway and to know that he is going to walk you through this. So listen to this. If you wanna get through your battles, you gotta trust in the goodness and faithfulness of God. Do y'all hear what I'm saying? If you're gonna get through your battles, you've gotta trust that God is good you got to trust that he is going to provide everything you need. you got to trust that God is the, the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end, that nothing can overcome God, that he is above, over all, everything. To move forward in your battle, you have to trust in the character and goodness of God. I have this quotes that I keep in my Bible during different seasons and I write Bible verses that I just need to just lift me up and to point me back to him. And one of those is a quote by Christine Kane. She's a speaker, a Christian speaker and an author. And she says, a faith is predicated in trust. Faith is predicated in trust. Faith comes out of trust. It is born from trust and you will find it. um, You'll find faith when you found trust. When I trust God in my life, no matter the circumstances, no matter what the enemy's doing, and I follow through with this, my faith grows. My faith builds. My walk gets deeper and longer and richer with the Lord. Faith is predicated in trust. Choose, Choose to trust him. So we see that God hands this, this victory over to them. And we don't know the ins and outs of this, but we know this, they don't even have to know how to fight if God's leading them, right? You don't. You put God in the middle of it, you might think, okay, but I better bring this and this. Well, yeah, I mean, you might wanna do what you, I mean, do what you know how to do, but you know what, let God handle it on this. We serve this supernatural God. It's one of the coolest things about him. He raises dead people to life. He parts seas. He takes down cities with walls around them with the sound of a horn. He takes the hardest heart you know of and softens it for him. And he can feed a lot of people with very few fish. He's amazing in what he does. Isaiah 55 says, we don't understand him. We can't, we don't think like him and our ways aren't like his. They're so, his are so much higher than ours. So here they are in this battle. We don't. In your battles, you don't have to know how God's going to get you through it. You just got to trust that He will. That's what you have to trust: that God's going to get me through it. You don't have to know the ins and outs. Are you hearing me? All those people who like all the details of everything—you want to, you, you know—you got to write them down. This isn't going to happen. You got to just walk forward and trust in God. The truth, Matt, is it didn't matter. It didn't matter what they had. Were they the best physical army? They might have been. I don't. I don't think so. Um, but God didn't need that. He just needed them to obey and to trust him and to trust the promise that he said, this was their land and they were going to take it. And you and I had the same promises available to us. We have these same promises available to us. And so I'm going to ask you, what promises do you need to claim right now? in maybe a battle you're in. So I have several that go on my note cards in my Bible, depending on the season in my life. But there's some reoccurring ones, and so I'm going to just share just a few of mine, real quick. It might help some of you that might be there as well. And so they'll be on the screen. But there's a, there's a lot of promises, but these are just a little. It's just a little tip of the iceberg on it. So when I'm worried or afraid, I go to Philippians four six and seven. It says, "Don't worry." But with everything in thanksgiving, offer my prayers to God and the peace that passes all understanding. It'll guard my heart and my mind in Christ Jesus. When I get discouraged, I go to Joshua one nine. He says, "Be strong and courageous." I love that. It's just like, "Be strong and courageous." I'll be with you wherever you go. When I have uh, events in my life that I'm like, I have no clue what's going on. I don't know how I got here. I don't know how we're going to get out. I'm just, I'm at a loss. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6, trust in the Lord with everything you have. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all, his way, in all your ways, trust Him, and He will direct your path. When you're tired and weary, go to Isaiah 40, 30. That's what I do. I'm going to mount up on eagle's wings, right? I'm going to run and not faint. I'm going to walk and not get weary. And finally, when I get weak, I can go to Psalm 46, 1, that God is my refuge. He's my strength. He's my ever-present help in times of trouble, promise after promise after promise. I've got a couple of friends right now that are going through some seasons of their life that are just ridiculously hard. They, Man, they love Jesus, but they are whew, they wouldn't wish it on anyone. And they wish it didn't happen to them, but they have decided I'm walking through this with the Lord. I'm holding on to his promises and what he has said. And I watch these ladies over and over and over claim the promises of him. And I sent one a, a message the other day just to say, I'm thinking about you and I've been praying for you. And her message back to me was, I am praising him in this storm. And I thought, that's a woman who grabs on to the promises of God. That's a woman says that he will not leave me or forsake me. That's a woman that says, my God sees me. That's a woman that says um, he won't let me take on anything that he cannot hold me up and to get me through. That is a woman that knows God loves her deeply and that God will not leave her, that he will not forsake her. And you know what that does to me in my faith? It encourages me. It bolsters me. It inspires me to hold on when things come, hold on when the enemy comes. So what promises do you need to grab a hold of right now? So you might be saying, well, I don't really know. I don't know what all the promises are in the Bible. And that is so fair. I want you to know something. There are thousands of them in the Bible, thousands of them that are available to you and me. And you know how they're available? Through the blood of Jesus Christ because God himself came down in man form on this earth and walked for the forgiveness of our sins because every one of us is a sinner and every one of us need him. And so when he died and he shed that blood and went up to heaven, everything in this book becomes God's children, everything they can claim on it. And those promises are all of us who have claimed Jesus as our savior. And if you haven't taken that offering of salvation from Jesus himself, he's given it to you. I recommend you take it, take it, don't wait anymore. Make these your own too. I would like to say too, that, um, as we go forward, we've learned two things that we need to do. We need to turn and uh, turn to him first and follow him for direction and provision. And then we need to trust him and we need to and we need to go forward in these promises and hang on to them and walk bold and confident forward. And I'd like to say, here's the next thing we need to do, but I will tell you this. The next thing is what we shouldn't do. The Israelites are going to show us what we shouldn't do in this roadmap. So, um, it would not, it'd be nice. It was a nice, clean story, um, but it's not. So let me, let me read to you what happens um, that causes their faith that has been so confident up to this point, their faith where they have trusted God and turned to him. It kind of comes to the screeching halt. Here it is. I'll read the first part of 19 again. We've read it, but then we'll get the second half. The Lord was with Judah and enabled him to take possession of the hill country. So here it goes. But, but they could not drive out the people who were living in the valley because those people had iron chariots. The forward advancement and the goal of the Lord that he was taking him forward has now stopped because they come across something they haven't seen before. Iron chariots. I have no clue. We don't even have any clue what it was about iron chariots that was extremely special because they've come across chariots in the past. As a matter of fact, God in his word, several places, it's so interesting. He tells them, don't you be afraid of our chariots. That's several times in the Bible. He tells his children, the Israelites, when you come up against them, don't be afraid of those. Now, iron chariots have come, and I know God meant that in his directive as well. He, that means all chariots. You don't have to be afraid, but they are. This has struck fear in their hearts. They are men of battle. We read of all the different conquests that they had just made. They have gone, they are brave men. They have followed God up to this, but they get to this point and new fear has come. It has gone for from hard to harder, from this is tough to I don't think I can make it anymore. And so they go and they decide, I can't look to God. And they look to themselves. They look to themselves for a solution. You know what they forgot? They forgot it was not their responsibility to figure out how to get them over this obstacle of the iron chariots. That was God's job. It was not theirs. Has anybody ever taken over God's job before? Yeah, y'all are snickering because y'all know what I, y'all know it, you do it and I do it too. I'm like, God, I got this, step back, move back. I'm here, I could take this. I don't need to turn there, I've got this. And, they, and I'm, I'm gonna figure this out and I take things on on myself and my own power and in my own power and in my own way. So if you wanna overcome, final truth here, if you wanna overcome a battle and iron chariots come your way, You want to rely on God's power and not your own because there are iron chariots in all of our lives. You know what those are? Those aren't just the hard things. Those are the harder things. Those are the things that make you go, I don't think I can go on anymore. I don't think I can wait another day, Lord. I'm so tired of this. I don't know if I have the strength to get through this. I, I can't do this. I'm gonna give up. I'm gonna turn away. You know, it's, it's, I can't go down that road anymore. I'm just, gonna, I'm just gonna turn around anymore. It's those things that make us just, we're just amazed that this is happening, God. Why, why are you allowing this to happen? Where are you? Don't you see us? I wonder how many of us came up against the Iron Chariot in 2020. How many of us caused to stop and say, I can't go this much anymore. This is hard this requires too much. I can't go that way anymore, God. Something you and I need to know about these iron chariots as well is that God is not disturbed by them. They are not a surprise to him. He knew everything that was going to happen in 2020. You've heard that said before. That was not a surprise to him. And whatever comes in 2021, guess what? He's not surprised by that either. As a matter of fact, do you know what he could do if we'll let him? He'll use the way we conquer 2021 when our walks, individual walks, when enemies and battles come in our lives, he'll use those to get his greatest glory if we let him. He'll use those to bring himself glory because he's the one that walked us through it and we didn't do it ourselves. Because we came up against stuff that we've never seen before, that was hard for us, we could not imagine that in our lifetime we would see, does that sound familiar, and that he will walk us through it. And that is the stuff God wants to do that brings him glory. And not only does it bring him glory, it bolsters your faith. Because you're like, dude, I totally got through that. And it wasn't me, it was all God. And so you trust him even more. You know what happens if we collectively start to do this? We become a people who follow an amazing God that other people want to be a part of. We become attracted to them. We become, it's a powerful life. We live based on what God's done in our lives. Iron chariots are not obstacles. The hard things in your lives, they might seem like it. I get it. I think they are. They scare me to death. But they're opportunities. They're opportunities for you to witness, for you to boast about the Lord, for you to test your faith, for you to build your trust. They are opportunities. They are not obstacles. Let's think for just a minute. What if we got to this point and we had our third, this is what to do. Let's say that those men who'd fought so hard, but now they're up now again, looking over down maybe on the, over the hillside and they see the iron chariots and they turn back and they say, God, this is, this is grueling. This is tough and I am, I'm afraid. I'm afraid and I don't know what the answer is, but you know what? I trust you. I'm following you through with this. We're doing this together. Do you realize how the story of judges might go from a dark story to one that actually has some light? What about in your own story? Are you trusting him? Do you follow him? Do you follow him through? Now, let me ask you the other question about that. Do you follow him all the way through, all the way to the end, all the way to the other side, no matter what comes in, no matter what comes at you? Listen, um, our band is about to start coming forward because we're about to wrap our time up here. But before they, while they do that, I wanna, I wanna tell you something. We have an opportunity. We had a God that walked with us mightily in 2020. The same God wants to walk with us in our new chapter of 2021. It's up to us. Are we gonna invite him in? Are we gonna turn to him? Are we gonna take everything that comes in 2021 because it will, it will at some form or level. And are we gonna go to him first? And are we gonna trust him? And are we going to walk confidently forward? And are we going to take on his power and not our own? Because in our power, it only goes so far. But in his power, it's all the way victory, all the way to the end, all the way through. I'm going to close our time together but before the band plays um, with a psalm. I'm going to read a psalm over you. It was written by King David. King David was no... um, He was not new to having battles come into his life. He had every shape and form of a battle you can ever think in. And some of them he was majorly successful at and did what God was calling him to. And the other ones he tanked. He's just like us. It didn't go as well as expected because of something he did versus what God did. But he, at this point, he writes this psalm, and it's actually a prayer that he writes. And he writes it to his people because battle is coming, an enemy is coming again that he has to go face. And he writes this to them, knowing it's coming, asking them to pray this over him. And so I'm going to pray this by reading it over all of us. Because 2021 is coming. And while I hope and pray that it is a glorious year full of new, beautiful uh, victories and, and just life experiences. And it doesn't reflect or it doesn't look a lot like 2020 at all. We know that, that skirmishes will come. We know that battles will come at one form or the other, small or maybe really large. And so I want to, I want to read this over you as you go out today. Um, You go out today in victory. Let me read this over you Psalm 20. May the Lord answer you in a day of trouble. May the name of Jacob's God protect you. May he send you help from the sanctuary and sustain you from Zion. May he remember all your offerings and accept your burnt offering. May he give you what your heart desires and fulfill your whole purpose. Let us shout for joy at your victory and lift the banner in the name of God. May the Lord fulfill all your requests. May he give you what you want. And now I know that the Lord gives victory to his anointed. He will answer him from his holy heaven with mighty victories from his right hand. And here it is. Some take pride in chariots and others in horses. But we take pride in the name of the Lord, our God. They collapse and fall, but we rise and we stand firm. 2021 is here. And come what may, we have a God of victory that we can follow and who wants to lead us. And so I would invite you in our last song, as we stand together, that you would proclaim victory you have of battles you may in now and of battles that are coming in the the future, that you would lift up the banner, as David says, of the victory of God, knowing that he is with you, he will not forsake you, and you can take every one of his promises and you can trust him. And so will you do that, church? Will you take that step today? Will you make that commitment? Will you, will you behold where you're at? Let's sing.
1: Here, stand with us. God I serve knows only how to triumph. something because we're not done we're not done you can clap that's fine but we're not done man we are going to walk out of this room knowing right now that 2020 was not a defeat your God did not leave you behind in 2020 he did not forsake you in 2020 in fact what God did in 2020 he showed you how he was going to be faithful in 2021 he showed you how he was going to bring you through the fires and bring you through the storms and bring you through the trials and Paul oh man this is beautiful Paul in Corinthians says hey all of these trials that you're experiencing these are brief momentary afflictions because of the surpassing weight of glory that they're building up in you and that's a glory that you'll see one day face to face with your savior that's a glory that you'll see one day when you are face to face with jesus christ and so if that's not a reason to declare victory i don't know what is so come on church you take say what the enemy meant for evil and you'd turn it for good. Come on. You'd turn it for good. a victory that's been won and don't let any iron chariot scare you because your God is for you be blessed have a good day